Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. This podcast is for and about women of colour and our relationship with nature. Hosted by me, Cherie Mack. The Earth Sea Love Podcast is committed to exploring the experiences of women of colour with Mother Nature. We want to provide spaces where the hidden voices in the environmental and conservation conversations can explore their relationship with the natural world. Inspired by our time spent outdoors, we amplify the voices of women of colour, our stories, our conversations, interviews, photography, writing and artwork. We'll be exploring our legacies, histories and memories which have had an influence and effect upon how we perceive ourselves within the natural world and within the environmental and climate justice movements. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. The Earth Sea Love Podcast has been made possible by the funding from National Lottery Heritage Fund. Thank you. Hello again and welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. We're still in October and this is just another episode coming out one per week in October and so far we have managed it. After this, there'll be one more episode in October and I think it will be just coming from me. We haven't got a load of other episodes to bring you from women of colour and their relationship with nature. But it's just a a case of me just going to take up a little bit of space and tell you what we're doing moving forward what's happening now you know the current state of play and um, it just means that I try and keep the introductions to each episode short and sweet instead of how they have been going recently (laughs) I've just got so much to tell you I'm just full of the joys of autumn and um, and this is something that we do touch upon in this episode with the lovely Makeda Pennycook and um such a pleasure and um really warms my heart to revisit this episode which we recorded back in june the things that we had discussed are so relevant then and now and the idea of how being with nature allows us to be just be ourselves nothing Nothing special, nothing false, but to just be our whole self. And that's where the magic comes from. And this is something that we touch upon. Yeah, and we also explore, again, similar themes that have come out in other conversations that we've had, but we're looking at it at a different angle. And I just love that. The idea of religion and spirituality and god and goddess and just the whole divine that female and masculine energy combined to create the divine and divine which is deep within mother earth that we can draw upon this energy to be our best selves and also to get us through some really tough times the dark night of the soul and Makeda explores this, sharing her journey with us in such a beautiful way that, you know, as I said, she touched my heart. Towards the end of the episode, um, Makeda mentions how she's offering um, a coaching therapy package for um, Black and Indigenous 
people of colour, well, probably women of um, colour there. And I'm not sure if that offer is still available. However, I know that I sat down with Makeda after this um, episode was recorded to talk about do I need coaching? Do I need that support and being held through the changes in my life that was happening back there in June. And um, what was so generous of Makeda was that she said to me, it sounds that I need support, therapeutic support rather than coaching at that time. And she was honest with me. You know, she, Makeda, talked herself out of getting money and being paid and getting employed by giving me the truth that I needed. I needed, which I knew was inside me, but I needed that permission or that, yes, that's right. You do need to have some therapy. You do need some support going through these difficult times, Sheree. And it was having that conversation with Makeda that made me go and seek help and it was help that I had to seek privately because I knew I had to sit down and talk with a black woman therapist and they are few and far between available on the NHS and if there were there would be a long way in list there's a long way in list anyhow but I knew that I wasn't going to get any support and help and get things straight with myself if I was going to sit down with a white male or a a white female therapist. I needed to converse with someone who looked like me, who had been through similar experiences like me and who got me, who understood me so I could be me. And I am so grateful for Makeda for pointing me in that right direction. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. And (laughs) I say it every time, but I mean it every time. We've got quality, quality. And thank you. Thank you, everyone who's listening. And thank you also to those, those people, individuals who have been reaching out and telling me how much they are enjoying this podcast, how it is touching them and um, inspiring them and opening up different realms within themselves. So (sighs) thank you for that, because this is why we're here. This is why we're doing it, sharing our stories and making those connections. Okay, let's get into this episode. See you again soon. Thank you for being here. How are you? Doing okay. I have my tea. Nice. It's early. <laughs> what is early then? Well, it's 7 a.m. Not okay. that early, but um, I usually have my tea around this time. It's how okay. I like to start my day. That's nice that you do have a, a routine or a ritual even. It is a ritual. I uh, Several years ago, it's like I remember like mid-morning, 1130. I was like, why am I so cranky? Because I had not had my tea. Uh. <laughs> And is it just normal tea or is it herbal tea? It's a normal tea. It's peachy tips, which, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have a world market here okay. um, that sells it. So, yes, a friend of mine introduced it to me a few years ago and nothing has tasted as good ever. I've been forever ruined for other teas. <laughs> black oh. teas, other black teas. I can do herbal teas, but other black teas, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> doing. Okay. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's it's like I don't know, a bit of a roller coaster. There's some peaks, there's some troughs and and then your energy's with it as well. You know. Right. So just trying to, to I don't know, trying to establish some kind of and I don't want to say normal, but some kind mm-hmm. of easy way of feeling and being yeah. rather than be all at the extremes of high, high or low, low, but trying yeah. to get that even keel. 
And it's yeah. trial and error. It's trial and error. For sure. For yeah. sure. And you've just come back after a social media hiatus, haven't you? I did. I did. How are you finding it? Um, you know, I'm taking my time. Like I wasn't yes. on there much over the weekend and mm-hmm. I thought I may not be on much on the weekends. Like that yeah. feels good for right now. Yeah. Um, I'm not, if I find myself mindlessly scrolling, I'll stop. Yeah. Right. So it, it's fine that I'm getting on, but if I'm just mindlessly scrolling, then I need to, so I'm just noticing my behavior more, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, as I've stepped back into it. Um, mm-hmm. but I think I'm just going to have some different boundaries around it. Um, still want it to be engaging, still want it to be, um, a platform that I use, but I want to be more purposeful and yeah. intentional. So, yeah. yeah, that sounds good. That does sound good. <laughs> and it's Makeda, isn't it? It's Makeda, yes. Makeda. Where does that name come from, if I don't yes, mind me asking? I sure don't. Um, I love telling it. So I was actually named after the Ethiopian Queen of Sheba. When my mother was pregnant with me, my dad was reading a book about her um, and decided that if I was a girl, that was the name he wanted me to have. And so I'm very grateful because if I was a boy, I was going to be named Michael. <laughs> so run of the mill. Right. It's so right. And no offense, but that's my dad's name. So then yeah. I would have been like Michael Jr., which is like no offense <laughs> to the Michael Juniors in the world. But Makita is way more yeah. like exotic. And so it, I was named after a queen. It really does mean queen and beautiful. And it has been a name that I have learned and am learning how to live into. Yes. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Okay. So thank yeah. you for that. You're welcome. Sharing. welcome. Yeah. So the question was, is where are you in the world at this moment? What's the season and what can you see outside your window, please? Yeah. So um, I am on the east coast of the United States in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Charlotte is situated just near the south of the state. So we're about an 30 minutes from the border of South Carolina, Charlotte is. So we really are pretty close to both states, North and South Carolina. Um, it is summer here. We have just crossed over into the summer solstice. Um, and so it's hot and muggy and humid and all the things that make up summer in the south. Um, it hasn't gotten too bad yet, so which we are grateful for, but it it's coming. I can feel it. Yeah. Um, and outside of my window, um, while I do live in a complex, I happen to be able to see several trees outside of my window, um, which I am grateful for. Sure, I can see cars that are parked, but mostly I can see the trees, which yeah. I love. And and like, do, yeah. do you know what kind of trees they are? No. <laughs> <laughs> They're green, though. Yeah, they're green at the moment. That can tell you they're green. Yeah. Um, A couple of them are evergreens because even in the winter, they're still, um, they've still got leaves or, you know, branches and things on them, um, green things on them. Um, (laughs) So some of them are evergreen, but most of them will change color and drop their leaves in the fall, which is my favorite time of the year. Mine too. Mine too. I just love autumn, as we call it here. And basically because it is on that cusp of, that idea of changes and we know still life there as we see in those trees change right. color into yeah. the oranges and the browns but then you know death's there and it's just yeah. it's just reminding yeah. us of that cycle yeah. yeah it's funny because summer used to be my favorite holiday I'm a summer well I consider myself a summer baby since I just had my birthday yeah very close to the summer solstice right so it's right on the cusp of mm-hmm. the solstice so I always considered myself a summer baby and loved summer and a few years ago, man, suddenly I was like, whew, I think I'm falling in love with autumn. <laughs> um, and it is now my favorite time of the year. And I think some of that has to do with my journey and the work that I do mm. and um, the so, connections that I found with nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all of that has tied into this shift that came for me a few years ago where I just really, autumn really is my favorite time of year. And I love spring, the waking up, the coming back alive, but... Yeah, there's something about autumn. Mm, yeah, yeah, I'm with Should've... you. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So talking about what you do, tell us what, what do you do as a profession or your day-to-day job? And has has it changed at all during um, COVID-19? Mm. So um, I'm, a life, I'm a certified life coach and work primarily with women who are navigating change. So my story um is a rather lengthy one. We can get into that in just a minute. But um, it has led me to um, really appreciating how difficult change is 
Mm-hmm. And so having moved through some significant changes in my life, I recognize that the space between what was and what is not yet, that mm-hmm. in-between, is the place that most people struggle. Mm-hmm. And so in my work, I try to hold space so that people can move through that in-between to get to what it is that they really want. Because the in-between, the thing about the in-between and the thing about change is there's no timeline, right? There's no, you'll be here for two months and then you're going to go here for three months and then you're going to go there for four months. That's just not the way that it works, right? So what I do in my work is try to hold, help people to, to hang in there, if you will, and to face the fears, the doubts, the negative self-talk, all the things that come up that cause us to want to run back to what's familiar, even if it's not what we want anymore, but at least we know it, and instead find the courage and the bravery to move towards what it is that they actually want. And for Mm -hmm. some people that has looked like changing careers, for some people that has looked like putting stronger boundaries in place so that they're not um, overextending themselves, for some people that has looked like making the decision to um, not leave their career, but find more space to do some of the things that they really enjoy because they love their job, mm-hmm. but it's just that it um, consumes so much of their time. The one woman I'm thinking of in particular, she just didn't have enough strong boundaries at home and at work. And so this really thing, this thing that she was super passionate about, she had no time to do it. So mm-hmm. we just helped her figure out how to reclaim some of her time. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> it's beautiful how you describe it because when you when when you are talking about it, I'm thinking oh a bit midwifey there, but then yeah. what what actually came to mind was actually a cocoon, or mm. like that you given the you're holding that space say like for mm-hmm. that caterpillar's got in a cocoon and like mm-hmm. so while these changes are happening, you're keeping these individual women safe and supported mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. they you know get all the tools or get the their their wings sort of wings. like yeah. strong yeah. enough to like burst out and like woohoo I'm a, I'm a butterfly <laughs> and like to live in that beautiful new state but again yeah. it be changing all the time so that's that's beautiful how you how you described it and yeah I'm so pleased that there's there's you and there's others like you that are do that are providing that space to mm-hmm. get to grips with so many different changes mm-hmm. that we have to go mm-hmm. through as women, mm-hmm. um, and to have that support in that journey is is priceless because you do feel so alone, um, and that's only happening to you. And but to have that, so, you know, expert, but also. You know, sister, it's sister mm-hmm. in the making. I mm-hmm. like that. I yeah. like that. Thank yeah. you. Thank and the support you. is so critical, right? Yeah. Um, and the encouragement. And yeah, the thing about my work is I'm not one of those um, coaches who feel like I'm an expert and I need to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. In my work and where I sit is when I'm in the room with a, a coachee, a client, and it's usually virtual because I've always done my work virtually and now it has to be virtual, but even so it's still a sacred space in that space. I am not the smartest person in the room. My client is the smartest person in the room. They know what they need. My job is just to help them to get there, to help them access what they already know, giving themselves permission to feel what they need to feel, to say out loud what they need to say out loud. But over and over again in my work, I have discovered that people know they have the wisdom, even if they think they don't, even if they say they don't know, I know they know. Now that has been an evolution. When I first started as a coach, I was very much, I know all the things and let me tell you. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then I discovered that that's just not the case. And let me just hold the space for you to say what you need to say and feel brave, safe enough to say it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Um, say that I've been on that journey of thinking, yeah, I know everything. I, I, I can help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you need me to help you. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. But I do know now that we do have that inner, inner wisdom. We have all the answers inside of us. We just need that time and space and maybe that little nudge or something, mm-hmm. something major, something little that gets us to that point of 
going within to listen within and yeah. some actually call this maybe um, if it's a big thing like it doesn't have to be a big thing in a sense dark night mm-hmm. of the soul mm-hmm. and I know I've heard you mention this about your journey to where yeah. you are now um, mm-hmm. and, and why or how you're doing what you are doing now would you like to share a little bit about sure. that I'm happy Please. to share I'll try to get it down because it's a rather lengthy story, but I'll try to tell the short version of it. (laughs) I'm sitting comfortable. (laughs) About, yeah, so about 18 years ago, I moved, I actually moved to Charlotte, North Carolina to help plant a church. So I was a church planner, part of that church planning team, was ordained as a pastor, was the executive pastor on team at that church. It was a non-denominational church. um, And very, you know, I'm a strong leader anyway, like firstborn child, all the things. So I have all the typical attributes of a firstborn child, right? So very much leaning into my leadership, stepped into a role that women had never, black women in particular, had never really held. It was as an executive pastor when I was promoted into that role. I went searching for executive pastors and all I could find were middle-aged white men. (laughs) And I can pretend to be many things, but I cannot (laughs) pretend to be a middle-aged white man. (laughs) So finding my sea legs, if you will, as a woman leader in a role that was typically held by white men, because it was a um, multi-racial congregation, um, was, was part of my sort of figuring myself out, knowing who I am, what I wanted. About 10 years into that journey, some things began to shift inside of me. And I'm somebody whose faith is an important part of how I move through the world. I grew up very traditional in my um, in my Christian understanding, very rigid, very God is in a box kind of a way of thinking, right? Like, this is the box that the you know, that God fits in. And these are the rules that you have to follow to be in that box. That's what I grew up in. And then I sort of evolved less away from rule following type of um, Christianity to more of a follow God for the blessings, if you will. So you follow the rules, still rules, but the first set of rules was so you wouldn't be punished. The second set of rules is so you'd be rewarded, right? So still very rigid, still very much in a box. About 10 years, so this was beginning of 2012, um, I just woke up one morning and said, it's all a lie. Like we, we told people, we've told people a, a, a sincere lie. Like none of it's true. God's not real. It's all been a lie. Yeah. Now I've lived my whole life believing yeah. this thing. So my whole like spirit, I was just like, it's gone, right? Like I didn't, I didn't want it anymore. And that was hard, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Very difficult. Um, that lasted. It didn't last very long, about four or five months. Um, but during that time. I had no, I felt like I didn't really have a footing, but I actually didn't care. And that's important because of what would happen three years later, two year, two to three years later. But in 2012, I felt like I had no footing, but I actually didn't care. So I went buck wild, did all the crazy things. Um, not really, but. Um, in so the scheme of things to what you were doing before. Exactly. Yeah. Um, after about four or five months, I came out of that space and I was like, okay, God is real. I'm back to that. But all of this rule following and boxing up God just wasn't working for me anymore, which is kind of hard when you're the pastor at a church, when you're one of the pastors. I wasn't the senior pastor, but I was third in command in this organization. What we were saying no longer felt true to me. Uh Now, I didn't know what that meant. I just knew it didn't feel it didn't connect for me anymore. And so then I had to figure out, okay, what do I do? And all that I could come up with was that I needed to step down from my mm-hmm. position with no clear sense of what I was going to do next or where I was going to go. And that took about two years to make that for me to work through it myself, right. And to figure it out myself and then to tell the pastors and the organization and no one had ever imagined that I would never always be a part of this organization. I mean, I helped start the thing, yeah. built it from nothing. There were over 2000 people who were attending by the time I left. Okay. And so I was a significant part of the history and it was a significant part of my identity at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. So it took about two years for us to work through that plan. And then I left in 2014. That's when I started my, my coaching practice. And started it for women leaders is what it started out as. Woman did leadership, black woman finding her, like I had all the sort of 
knowledge, you know, wisdom. Yes. I could tell you what to do. Kind of <laughs> yes. thing. Uh, when I left that church, started my business at the same time, my spirituality started to unravel completely. So this period of not believing in God suddenly became, I don't, I don't know what any of it means anymore, mm -hmm. right? And all of it started to unravel. And um, I started going to an Episcopal church, never been an Episcopalian, didn't know anything about it, but I was very much, felt very much led to go there. And the beauty of the Episcopal church is that they don't do black and white, they live in the gray, right? Okay. And I needed that grayness mm -hmm. to figure out what my spirituality was gonna look like. And that is when I began to find myself drawn to nature. So I need to back up just a little bit into about a year after I went through that whole God is not real thing, um, went through a significant um, hurt um, within that community that I was a part of, a really significant hurt, and went to the beach. I'm Jamaican, spent every summer of my childhood, I grew up in the States, but spent every summer of my childhood in Jamaica by the ocean. Mm. Pretty sure there's salt water running through my veins. <laughs> but the ocean is my home. Like I feel most at home in the, at the ocean. After that, during that period of that hurt, I went to the ocean and I could feel her healing me. Mm. And that was significant. Then when my spirituality started to unravel, I was once again drawn to nature. So I'm a city girl. I grew up in New York City. Like the epitome of cities is where I grew up. Brooklyn, Manhattan, like all of those things, right? And this city girl was suddenly wanting to be in the woods, which made no sense. But I followed it. And I would go to the woods and I met God. I met the divine mm. in the woods. And so suddenly I wanted to be in the woods or I wanted to be at the ocean or I just wanted to do these things that seemed out of character for who I am or who I knew myself to be. And what I found is that those places actually helped me meet myself and helped me meet the divine in a new way. So that instead of it being this restrictive box, I suddenly felt the expansion of the divine and how big and magnificent she is, right? And so really learning to embrace that feminine side of God and really just dropping into the embodiment of all of that. And so the dark night of my soul was really came in a couple of places, but the deciding I didn't believe in God, the wounding that I got, you know, getting hurt the way that I was hurt, and then having all of that unravel completely. And when it feels like the foundation upon which your life has been built, is crumbling beneath you, that is a scary place to be. And it is hard and it is impossible. And I know that space. Mm -hmm. So when I work with my clients and I tell them, this is hard, this is impossible, this is truly one of the most difficult things you might do, I say that from experience, not just from head knowledge, but having walked it out. And I tell them, you can do hard things. Even if we have to baby step your way through it, you can do hard things. And it's because I learned that I could do hard things. And nature played a big part of that for me. Hmm. So I'm going to stop because I've talked a lot. And no, no. It's, it's... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing that journey, which is, I mean, I can't. You know, I can start to imagine how difficult it was, you know, having your whole foundation of who you are basically start to crumble from underneath you and like looking around and finding you know, nowhere to stand, nowhere to to feel safe and to feel yourself again. So I, I, to I totally get that from my own experiences. But the journey that you have described was, was would be so difficult and horrendous for you. But the way that you've described it and brought your wisdom now and body wisdom to it, mm -hmm. it was it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful journey that you are sharing with others, but also bringing to bear upon others to help them. Mm -hmm. through their their dark nights of the soul basically yeah. and that is such a a lovely way to be in service mm -hmm. you know and and this just from you know being being a pastor you were already in service through that but now you have found your true 
true way, which sits mm -hmm. authentically with mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. of how to serve others. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I totally respect that and, and love that. And I thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Mm, thank and you for I, letting me share. I just want to unpick it a little bit because you sure. mentioned, you mentioned um, your childhood and mm -hmm. Jamaica and the ocean and but a city girl. Um, so what, how, how was your family made up that you'd be mm -hmm. your city girl, Jamaica? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so my family, my whole family is Jamaican. Like okay. that's my heritage. That's my background. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and my parents were um, met in Brooklyn, New York. They both were in Brooklyn. Her cousin was dating my father's brother. <laughs> and so introduced them. Um, they met, got together. My mom got pregnant with me while they were in New York, mm -hmm. in Brooklyn. So I was born in Brooklyn. And then three months later, we moved to Jamaica. We moved back to Jamaica. Um, and my sister, who is less than a year younger th than me, was born in Jamaica. So as soon as I was old enough to travel, we went back to Jamaica. We were in Jamaica for a few years and then moved to Canada so that my dad could go to grad school. Um, and my parents split up when we were in Canada. And so when my parents split, my mother had family in New York. And so she took my sister and I to New York. And when my dad was finished with grad school, he went back to Jamaica. He wanted to be back in his country. Um, and so they divorced. I have very few memories of my parents together. Mm -hmm. um, and so they divorced. My mother raised my sister and I in Brooklyn. And every summer, practically like the day after school left, got out, we were sent to Jamaica to be with my dad. My grandmother worked for Air Canada. So she would often take us when we were really young, she would take us down there. Um, and then as we got older, we would travel unaccompanied um, as unaccompanied minors. We felt like we were such big deals. Um, <laughs> but yeah, every summer of my childhood was spent in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And I am a beach snob as a result of that. And I, I what does I that it. mean? What does that yeah. mean? <laughs> so if you've ever been to the Caribbean, mm -hmm. you know that it is crystal clear blue water. You can see the bottom of the ocean like it is just beautiful. In America, <laughs> at least on the east side of the America, the water is more brown than it is blue. <laughs> And it's mucky and muddy and less like water you'd actually want to, that I would want to go into. So while I love the beach and I go to the beach in America, I cannot think of a time that I've lived in America that I've gotten, that I've walked and gotten into the water here. Take me to the Caribbean, I'm all over it. <laughs> here, I will just wade in the water, like my ankles, maybe up to my knees, but that's about all that I'm doing. Um, because I, so the beach snob in me is like, if it's not crystal clear blue water, I'm not getting in it. Uh, mm. But then I see some of your pictures and I'm like, I'd probably get in that water. Because it's not muddy or yeah. mucky or brown, yeah. right? So yeah. that's what I mean by beach snob. Okay, I get you then. I get you. Because, yeah, I totally, I mean, we went... I went to the Caribbean maybe when I was 33 um, and we went to Trinidad and Tobago and Barbados and there's a special place in Tobago which is Pigeon Point you know uh -huh. the kind of beach you have to pay to go in it would be uh -huh. exclusive uh -huh. and that was just paradise I'd never yes. experienced it. it was yes. that it was that turquoise blue yes. sea the golden golden a pale white sands and it was like oh my gosh i'm in heaven yeah <laughs> but i know there's no time soon and since then that i've been able to go back so mm -hmm. but to keep that connection going with the sea i do have to get in to our sea yeah here on the north yeah. coast and yeah there's times when it is clear when it's really really you can see the bottom and the sun's mm -hmm. you know dappling on the top yeah. like diamonds but there's times when it has been rough and stormy and it's murky the seaweed yeah. but then also there's rubbish the last time i was in i was collecting rubbish from the sea oh. keep going in and out and collecting it and um that's dis that's disappointing and you know it makes me a bit mad but yeah, I keep returning. I do. I do have to keep returning because I'm with you in that sense. Like the ocean and the sea is healing. It's it healing. Is. It's healing it really to is. me. 
you you had that as part of your life um every summer every summer mm-hmm. um and you and you said that you do sometimes go to the east coast coasts where you are you also mentioned that um now you had a hankering for the woods mm-hmm. what's that because you did mention the idea of you met yourself there and mm-hmm. the divine and a she mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so yeah so yeah, so the thing about North Carolina, I uh, know Charlotte. Charlotte is is like right smack in the middle of this the state, right? Maybe maybe not right smack, but like it's two hours to the mountains one way, three hours to the beach the other way. So it's sort of you pick your nature and you can get to it. So that's mm-hmm. one of the advantages of North Carolina. And then we have all these really great greenways around town. And I didn't know how else to explain it except to say that I would be like. I have to go to the woods. Like, I just want to go walk among the trees. And we have greenway spaces here, but I could still hear the sounds of traffic. And I just, I wanted, like, green mm. woods. Mm. And so I would go on a hike. I found this park. It's, a, it's not really a park. Nature preserve, I guess. And they we have call, multiple we have trails. Nature reserves we have. Yeah. Here. Yeah. And they have multiple trails on it. Mm-hmm. And so I would just go there and I would walk. I'd put my arm around on the trees and I could feel, I don't know if this makes sense, but I could feel the energy coursing through the trees because these are trees that have withstood, they've been here forever, right? They've withstood some stuff, storms and mankind being mankind and like mm-hmm. all these amazing and still they stand and not just stand but they rise i remember even before that like i went to california and went to the redwood forest and there are these trees those trees have been around for thousands and thousands of years and they are still growing still growing amidst all the chaos and things that have erupted around them and so i would go and i would just be in the silence. I remember going on one hike and I am not a hiker. I'm not like one of these fitness people. I'm hella out of shape, like all the things. But I went on this hike and it was a hard hike. And at one point it opened up like, and I could, there was a tree stump. So I sat on the tree stump and I could hear the silence. Like nothing, there was nothing. And in the silence, I could hear the divine just being, the essence of sort of this presence that is bigger and greater than all of us, right? And I, in those spaces, began to realize that this I, this being in nature, why not, I may never live in the country, because I don't think I can like full on live in the country, but being in around trees and near water is something that's important to my soul's being and my evolution as a human. And in the silence of the woods, I don't have to be anything other than Makita. The trees are not trying to be mushrooms or birds or they're just being trees right yeah the birds are not trying to be the bugs that are running on the floor or the dragonflies that are flying around they're just being birds and they're having conversations and they're doing what they're doing nature just is and in that space i learned that it's okay for me to just be yes i don't have to put on a persona I don't have to try to become like somebody else because the majesty of the tree is that it just is a tree. The magic of the ocean is that it just is the ocean. So my majesty, my magic lives in me just being me. I don't have to try to become somebody or something else. I get to just be me in all of my multifaceted, multi-complex way. I get to be all of those things. And so nature gave and gives me permission to just be who I am and not apologize for it and not be afraid to take up space, right? So I mentioned earlier that my name is something that I'm living into, that I'm learning to grow into. And it's this idea of being this queen who does not have to apologize for who I am. I get to take up the space I take up, right? I walk Mm -hmm. into a room and my presence shows up before I do. And I used to feel like I needed to apologize for that. 
nature helped me learn I don't need to apologize for that. That yeah. I get to take up all the space I need to take up and that that be okay. Yeah. And so that sort of is how nature sort of helped me learn myself. And then in that space, I was like, how can I decide that God fits in this box that my training, my Christian training taught me? And when, I, when my spirituality was unraveling, I found different places to help me reconnect. So crystal energy, I have a couple with me now. <laughs> uh, the idea of ritual and how beautiful ritual can be. I've always loved the moon. Mm. And so me and the full moon, you know, I go outside and I see Mama Moon. Hey, Mama Moon, good to see you, <laughs> right? Like, and so I have just found my spirituality has expanded. Now I still identify as Christian, right? And that will probably always be a core part of my identity. But what that means has expanded beyond just this box of follow these rules and this is what it means. And so God, for me, there's a lot of baggage around that term. So I don't use it very often. For me, it's about the divine mm -hmm. and the divine, feminine, masculine, just whatever I might need in that moment. I've learned to embrace all of it. Gosh, yeah. You've lost me for words here because <laughs> the way you just, just described that, because I've struggled to put into words how I feel, the experience I have when I'm being with nature and mm. that energy that you're saying in the tree, I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. That idea of that you, with nature, you, we are given permission to just be, to just be, mm -hmm. be. And it is, it's like, I have struggled for years to, I've always said like, you know, when I'm with nature, I feel like all my identities have been stripped away and I'm just connecting on a bodily level and I'm just, and it is just being, but the way that you just said that, it's like, God, we need to bottle it. We need to bottle what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> because it was like, yes. And, and I'm sorry, but I was just, I was just saying in my head, preach, preach sister, preach. <laughs> So thank you. So. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, it. I just, it has given me so many gifts being out in nature that I could not have expected. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, just a, a couple more questions. Um, mm -hmm. And this is um, the idea of how have you been receiving your gifts from nature while in lockdown? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's something that I've been struggling with. And also I've been trying to find ways to share how I'm experiencing nature, you know, with the women's group and the girls group mm -hmm. that we've been working with, taking them out before lockdown to have experiences with nature. But of course, that hasn't been possible to do it face to face. So how have you been getting your nature? Fixed? Yeah. So, you know, um, I walk almost every day. Yeah. I go in the early mornings, uh, mostly because it's a thousand degrees outside right now. So <laughs> if I don't get out before, I might melt. <laughs> so, um, I try to go for a walk every day and there's a greenway right behind my house. So if it's or super early, I won't go on the greenway just for safety reasons. Mm -hmm. I'm a New Yorker after all. So, mm -hmm. you know, I always assume someone's hiding in the trees. <laughs> but um, there are lots of trees around where I live. And so just being out... And at one, I have this little loop that I do, takes me about 30 minutes to do it. At one point, about three quarters of the way, I don't know what flowers they are. I don't know what is, but the scent is spectacular. Mm -hmm. And so I will stop and just inhale the aroma of those flowers or those blooming trees. I have no idea what they are. Mm -hmm. I don't know where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. I think I see a tree that might be it, but I don't know for sure. I just know that I can smell it. And so trying to bring all of my senses into the experience while I'm walking. So it's not just what am I seeing, but what am I seeing? What am I hearing? What am I feeling? What am I sensing, right? Mm -hmm. And really trying to take all of that in, in, mm -hmm. in that walk. Um, we had a season, uh, we had a several weeks where it was raining pretty consistently and I have a patio. So I would just sit outside in my patio mm. and let the rain waters. I just 
just being with the rain while it was raining, right? Yeah. Um, I wasn't getting wet or anything because uh, my patio is covered, but um, I would just sit outside while it rained. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then yeah, on Friday on my birthday, I had to go. So I had to go out to get something. I needed to. There was a period where I needed to wait, so I drove to a park. I just parked my car, and there was a canopy that had been created by the trees Mm. and I just sat underneath it and it was just so like peaceful and beautiful and soul nourishing for those few minutes that I could sit there Mm. and so for me nature I have chosen not to go hiking or do all the things mostly because nobody's following the rules out there and I don't you know um yes but I've tried to get outside as much as I can just Mm. even if it's just to go for a walk and I try to do that every day if I can. Yeah. Appreciating nature that's on your doorstep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and really embracing it. Um, I do this embodiment work that invites um, us to one of the pieces in my personal journey right now is separating sexuality and sensuality, right? Mm. Disconnecting those two things. Mm. Um, and this, when I go on this walk, I get to focus in on the sensuality that I might be experiencing in nature. And those flowers, I mean, I should ask somebody who knows, but God, they smell amazing. Um, That's that's what I was going to ask, because you are are connecting with nature through your body, through the senses. It's an embodied experience. Mm -hmm. So, and you're saying about that amazing smell of the flowers. Do you need to know the names? Probably not. I oscillate between oh I need to know the name because I've got this these weeds that are in my my yard and they've been growing all over and they've been great they've been little purple flowers and every time I see them I they bring a smile in my face and I was thinking oh I should really find out the name of them and and I'm thinking why why do I need to why do I need to name because in in the naming there is also that ownership or possessing sort of thing Mm -hmm. if we think about Mm -hmm. colonialization and conquerors and explorers and planting their flag and I name you but they were already living and being before you came along with your name and flag. Right. Yeah. So that's good. That's good. Do you yeah. Know? So yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I mean, good. I do. But you know, there's sometimes I think, oh yeah, I want to know your name. I want to know. Yeah. But maybe it is a case of like, because I want to pass it on to someone. Maybe. But uh-huh. then again, but, but there is that sense of ownership, and the yeah. other side could be belonging. If I know your name, I know. yeah, but you know, so that's something yeah. that I've got so to work out, right? It's, mm. And it's and I guess it's a what's where's the motivation? So I can I'm I am I can be in my head a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes the desire to know what something is is about intellectualizing and an experience that probably just needs to be an embodied experience mm-hmm. rather than bringing my intellect or my my mind into it. Yeah. It's not that my mind doesn't have a place in the journey, yeah. but sometimes it's just good to let my body experience it without yeah. having my mind need to try to make sense of it. So I appreciate yeah. that call out. It's a good yeah. call out. And I appreciate that, what you said about separating sensuality and sexuality, because... Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of shame that's around it in the sense um, mm-hmm. and that goes in with that disconnect with the, how we live in our heads mm-hmm. rather than yep. our bodies and that isn't encouraged or the idea of actually experiencing pleasure through the everyday the sacred in the everyday that is something that we deny ourselves or is denied from us or Mm -hmm. if we try and do it then we're weird Mm -hmm. or we're freaky Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. you know you're Mm -hmm. just too much you know stop being so hyper sexualized and it's not it's actually not it's actually being feeling and it's 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 allowing us to have that pleasure i've just got this thing that's just falling off my um board there but i desire is our pleasure and it's it because, and it doesn't have to be all caught up in sex or nope it, nope you know i desire a really sweet oatmeal latte with a little uh, bit of maple syrup uh, in uh, <laughs> yeah uh, and yeah. when i get it i'm like mm-hmm, that's so lovely yeah so for so long at least in my personal journey 
pleasure and desire, these words that you're using, have mm -hmm. always just been tied to sex, right? Yeah. And sex is bad. I grew up in traditional Christianity. like, yeah. And trying to disconnect those ideas and separate them and be able to be enjoying things and naming that I desire something that isn't about sex, right? No. And just really bringing in that embodied sense of sensuality fullness. and fullness. Like, I someone sent me chocolate-covered strawberries for my birthday. And to, I love strawberries and I love chocolate and you bring them together and it's like magic, right? And to just enjoy the sensation of the strawberry and the chocolate in my mouth and to feel that, that is pleasure and desire all wrapped up in one that ain't got nothing to do with sex, right? Exactly. But it is a sensual experience mm -hmm. to have to eat that chocolate-covered strawberry, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's part of my work. Um, mm -hmm. And um, noticing the things that bring me joy, mm -hmm. right? And really paying attention to that, especially mm -hmm. during COVID. Yes. That has been my, um, my word. So every year I pick a word, and mm -hmm. my word for this year was yes. It was going to be my year of yes. Mm -hmm. And when I when I accepted that yes was going to be my word and I made my vision board and I did all these things. Uh, well, my vision board told me that my year of yes was really about finding the things that brought me joy, that it was a yes to get to joy. But I imagined that there would be going to museums and I would be taking these different trips and I was mm -hmm. going to start dating. I had all these things in my head of what that was going to yes. look like. And then COVID happened yeah. and I can't leave my house and I can't do anything. <laughs> and so, what I've been doing is on purpose, noticing the things that bring me joy, even mm. when I'm at home. And so I started daily monitoring the things that bring me joy. And some days, I will admit that there are some days when I don't have anything on that list. Now, I have a gratitude practice. I've, oh, I've had a gratitude practice for years. Every day, end of the day, I'm jotting the things that I'm grateful for. I do that every day, regardless. This thing of naming my daily joys is separate from my gratitude list. Mm -hmm. And so I'm paying attention to the fact that I had a conversation with my girlfriend in Australia yesterday. When her name popped up on my phone, my whole being lit up. Right? <laughs> One of my favorite people in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So it was a joy-filled moment that I could feel in my body, right? So yeah. noticing these daily joys has been part of this practice of noticing the pleasure, noticing where I'm getting lit up, where I'm getting, you know, where my body is really having this experience mm. that is not tied to going out or doing a bunch of things, but like it's just being with myself in my experiences. Being right? present. And that is exactly what it's requiring of me, more presence to my daily life, yeah. um, which has been an unexpected gift from COVID, right? Yeah. Um, That's so, it's so weird that you mentioned that because, you know, I've been on and off social media, but I came back on just just at, before the weekend and it was to share my droplets of joy mm -hmm. because I have been struggling with this, the current situation, not just mm -hmm. with COVID-19, but with all mm -hmm. the uprisings mm -hmm. that's happening. And, um, you know, it was a case of like um, forgetting or not, not seeing or not appreciating what I do have within my mm -hmm. life or mm -hmm. what is here now because you know mm -hmm. I'm thinking about the past that's gone grieving the past right. and then I'm super worried about what's happening in the future and what I was doing was missing out on my now and my present yeah. Yeah. so it was going back back into the sea because I hadn't been in for a couple of weeks because of fears and different things mm -hmm. um, and it was getting back into the sea and getting back into my body and mm -hmm. feeling the cold mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. feeling the water wash over me and then carrying that feeling with me out back into my everyday but it's that it was that tingling feeling maybe there was an iceberg in my belly or chest you yeah know, it was a bit cold <laughs> but it's, it was a reminder that I'm here now mm. and enjoy savor express gratitude for here mm -hmm. and now mm -hmm. so yeah mm -hmm. so I'm yeah. with you on that that is a yeah. moment that joy the, the gratitude my gratitude practice has been a lifesaver and, and I don't 
I don't say that like colloquially. Like I, I say that literally because when my life was falling apart, mm-hmm. I forced myself to find things to be grateful for mm-hmm. every day. Minimum of five things that I am grateful for in the midst of my life falling apart. That practice helped me not fall completely into despair, right? Yeah. Um, and so my gratitude practice is a non-negotiable for me. Adding the layer of paying attention to my joy mm-hmm. has been because of COVID. I don't think I would have done that had mm-hmm. it not been my vision board screaming yeses and joy and like, well, I don't know how to get to joy if I can't even leave the house and talk to people. And But I'm finding it. Yeah, you're finding yeah. it, you're doing yeah. it, you're living it, you're experiencing it. beautiful awesome right before we wrap up here we've talked about your business what Mm -hmm. are you offering you Mm -hmm. know how can people women in particular find out Mm -hmm. more about you you know your contact details tell us you know yeah so i have a website and a blog um that i blog on there um every couple weeks um i'm writing one now that's taking a little bit longer because it's a pretty heavy one on the shadow oh yes yeah. i did some shadow work in may um part of the things that i worked on while i, I was on a social media break um mm-hmm. in since mid-april i only just came back mm-hmm. and the month of may was some heavy shadow work um mm-hmm. so not going to write about all of it but just unpacking the gifts of the shadow anyway so i have a website blogs makitapennycook.com mm-hmm. so it's just my name dot com if you google makita's musings which is the name of my blog Mm -hmm. you'll find it also um and so and then i send out a newsletter every couple weeks um as well so people can sign up for my newsletter on there in terms Mm -hmm. of um, my current i'm in the process of redoing my website um to align a little bit better um so what's on there is not the most current information in terms of sort of I'll be unpacking my story a little bit more in this revamp, mm-hmm. but that's neither here nor there. The information that's on there is good. Right now, I recognize that black women are, we're dealing with a lot right now. Mm-hmm. And because black women have always borne the burden, right? Like we yeah. have always been the ones who have had to keep the family together, hide our emotions when things were being, when things were falling apart, right? When sons don't do their part and daughters are unable to do whatever, grandmothers will always step in, right? Black women have been the glue to our community Mm -hmm. since the beginning of time, right? You said it. And knowing that we are having to process so much right now, I have, I'm offering my one-on-one coaching services at half off to mm-hmm. black women, well, black indigenous people of color, mm-hmm. uh, but for black women in particular, I just want to help hold some space with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't, they don't necessarily have to be dealing with change or anything while change is sort of my wheelhouse, that cocooning process. It could mm-hmm. just be to have someone witness and see them during mm-hmm. this time. Um, and so for um, that's what I'm doing right now is offering that service to black women and just cutting my services in half in terms of cost. They still get the full number of sessions, the full sessions recorded, all the things that come with that. Mm-hmm. It's a four month coaching package. It gets um, eight sessions in it, 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. We do it by video and I record it. So you get a copy of the recording. There's check-ins in between, unlimited email access, all the things. Um, nice. But it's just, just <clears throat> my way of saying, we're in this together. Yeah. You don't have to walk this road alone. And so that's the gift that I'm offering right now. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking I could be doing with this gift myself. <laughs> self-care is, is, has to be a priority on my list. Mm-hmm. Not just now, but going forward. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's mm-hmm. a constant practice. It's mm-hmm. constant practice. It is. And I like to say that coaching, one of the greatest gifts of coaching is accountability. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, it's not that, I mean, yes, there's some magic to it, depending on sort of the coach and sort of what we help to uncover together. But really, it's accountability, yeah. just to stay the course, stay true to what you already know, right? Yeah. How do yeah. you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I hear Someone you. in your corner to help remind you that you're worthy of staying the course and doing the thing, whatever that might be. 
So it has been really awesome to talk to you. It yeah, really likewise. Has. Has Thank been a joy. you. Thank you. I really appreciate your time, your sharing, your heart, your generosity. And, you know, queen, queen. Mm. You have Thank been. You. Thank you. Thank and you. you. Are. Thank you so much. And um, let's not this be the end of us. <laughs> no, know? for sure. I, for I, sure. I need to see and see your face and talk to you again because it's absolutely. You know, you have opened up things in me, and you have given me some words to express things that I have been struggling with. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. I'm glad thank to hear you. that. This has been a pleasure and a joy and an honor and all the things. Um, it's been so fun to connect and talk and to hear. I mean, for all the craziness that the web, the Internet is and mm-hmm. social media is, the magic of bringing people together who live literally on opposite sides of the world. <laughs> right. Like yeah. there is no reason why our paths would have crossed. Yeah. Had it not been for social media and the Internet. Yes. Right. And so for me, there's so many gifts associated with that. And mm-hmm. So I'm grateful and so glad that you asked me to be a part of this. I think it's amazing. I think it's a gift um, to encourage black women to be with nature because, look, we know it. It's yes. in our blood, even if we yes. don't know how to access it. Yes. Yeah. 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 So thank you. You, you take care. Welcome. You too. Have a great rest of your day. Hope you, you have too. a good afternoon. Yeah. And I'll see you again soon. Of course. All right. Take <laughs> care. Bye. 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 <laughs>